away you go. Now it comes time to actually build it. I'm always thinking about the next thing, not what happened in the past. You want to see someone breaking the mold? We are breaking every possible traffic law. Hey, we just got to welcome everybody to Oil & Whiskey, an ironclad original. Presented by Blade HQ. Whether you're into cars, motorcycles, hunting, fishing, grilling, or any number of things, you've got the tools that you swear by. Have you ever noticed that the tool that finds its way into every job is a knife? Do you have one that you swear by? If not, it's time you got one. And Blade HQ is the place to get it. They've got knives to fit any hand, any belt, any job, and any budget. Just go to bladehq.com slash oil and whiskey to shop their selection of knives. Tonight, we're going to be talking with Nelson Racing Engines, Tom Nelson. We're going to be doing another installment of In the Glove Box, and we just might have another possibly surprise segment. But before we get to the interview, we have an on-the-gas segment. This is where we take time to shout out an individual, a vendor, a shop, or a company that's got their foot on the gas. That's why we named it that. Uh, doing great work and taking their projects and industry or products to the next level. Tonight we have Powerhouse Performance. I wanted to shout out Powerhouse Performance. It's on the gas. That they are. Yeah, Thomas and the guys are building some pretty kick-ass stuff. Just had that uh, white C10 out at uh, Dino's Get Down that they debuted. Um, 68, cool. right? 68, yeah. Somewhere around there. It's white. It is white. They get a Ripper Bronco going together, too. Yeah, have you seen the metalwork on that thing? Wild. Yeah, yeah, it's got the Merc SB4 engine in it. And I feel like with Tom kind of hanging here, most of these dudes that pop up that start building super badass shit, it almost always, there's like a recipe. Yeah. It's, always, it's almost always got a Nelson motor in it. I don't know if you know those dudes, Tom, but they're out your way. Powerhouse performance. I'm sure if you don't know them as of yet, they'll be using something of yours here in the near future. There's some pretty good dudes. Yeah, they do all right. trucks and off-road shit and stuff like that. It's, uh, check them out uh, at Powerhouse Performance on Instagram. Tom Nelson is the owner of Nelson Racing Engines in Chatsworth, California. They've been making high-performance turnkey super motors since 1995. Nelson Racing Engines is a complete in-house machine shop, and that means whenever whether it's balancing, airflow testing, dyno testing, Every Nelson-built motor is built in their shop by their techs. You can follow Tom on Instagram at Nelson Racing Engines and learn more about their work at NelsonRacingEngines.com. Tom Nelson, welcome to Oil & Whiskey. Thanks for having me. Has anybody ever called you Turbo Tom Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> if not, I think you just coined That's that. That's a great nickname, Turbo Tom. Turbo Tom, man. And yeah, Tom Slick was my was my nickname for a while there. But uh why is that? I don't know. There was a, a cartoon when we were kids of this this Tom Slick character and he was always in this car sliding around and shit. So <laughs> Tom Slick. <laughs> I like Turbo Tom better. Yeah, Turbo yeah. Tom's good. So <laughs> you know, for, for those who don't well, everybody knows Tom Nelson, everybody knows the Nelson racing engines, but I uh I guess I I first saw you guys just scouring the internet, watching YouTube videos. Those were like when I was just a young fanboy, watching you make just gobs of horsepower. And I was always entertained with the video stuff you were putting out. They were like, they weren't your usual, just like nice civilized. We're taking this car for a ride and trying to be very professional. They were burnouts and like, holy fuck, dude, look at this shit. And like watching tire smoke and, so that was uh which is good. I mean it showed you exactly yeah, cool. how how raw and fast right. they were. So that made a fan out of me. That's uh 
Yeah, that was that was the you know before YouTube there was this thing called Streetfire.net. I don't know if you guys remember that. Josh probably does. Yeah. He's, he's a little older than we are, but fuck you. <laughs> so I remember we had like this. Uh, well, our big thing back in the day is like nobody believed that you know you could have a thousand horse and have it be a total driver. So like back then, the biggest thing was trying to convince people that. Hey, this actually is a drivable car. It's not a race car. So nowadays it's like, if you don't have a thousand horsepower, you're dog shit, you know, but uh, back in the day, that was like, you know, nobody believed it. So it was like a big press for me to try to show people that. So we started doing videos and we, we did a video on, on street fire and uh, it was this twin turbo Pontiac Le Mans that we had built. And I remember it got like a million views in like two days. And I was at the plumbing store and some guy was like, Dude, you're that guy from Street Fire. I was, and, and you know, at the time, I was paying like three thousand dollars a pop for ads and hot rod or whatever, you know. And and w- when that clicked, I was like, "There's something here." And then YouTube turned on, and we started doing those videos, and it was like my 24 hour salesman, you know. So, and we 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 were cracking up. Like everything you saw in those videos was just me and my buddy in a car, just you know, just laughing at stupid shit and recording it with like a $2 camera, you know? And then my dad would like sprinkle in porn music. (laughs) It sold the experience though. Cause that like, when you drive one of those turbo motors, it's, it's like you're fucking giddy when you're getting after it. You know, it's in car stuff's great. You know, I always dig that. So how do you, you know, something I've always been curious about because I follow your social media, I see everything you guys do. And it, uh, to me, watching what you do, it's like, like, like walking into a science lab and asking me to like jump in and go to work. Like it's the most intimidating looking thing. And it's, you know, it's almost hospital like when I see your facility and what you guys do, how the hell did you figure out like what all those little parts do inside the motor to, to set you set you apart and where, where the hell did you get started doing all this to to do it at your level well we used to well like i mean where I first started it was like with a go-kart like i always wanted this go-kart and i worked a couple summers to be able to afford this like penzoil like indie car go-kart that they they were like safeway giveaways like the grocery store giveaway things they looked yeah. like little phil, phil had one i did yeah. <laughs> same one yellow penske yeah. Rick Muir. I was yelling, my buddy got one in white. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yours is probably faster. <laughs> so, so, um, any rate, I like, I started a detailing business with that thing and I used to cruise around my neighborhood and like, you know, detail all my, you know, neighbors, cars. And, and then, you know, as, as I got older, we started street racing and, you know, that actually was like, that, that was, that was a thing that just like kind of engulfed me. So we just, street raced every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And, you know, there was always like, I mean, it was like pink slips and $10,000 races. And so then I started building motors out of my grandma's garage. I had a construction business. I went to college for a couple of years and then, then uh, decided that that wasn't for me and, you know, had a construction business, which I was like raking in dough, um, but I hated it. And then, so I had an opportunity to, um, buy a full machine shop, uh, from my buddy's dad. Um, and, uh, I just worked like, I got this crazy fence job and worked my ass off. And my grandmother lent me some money and I bought this machine shop and knew not how to use anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is this like pre-CNC? These are like manual mills and like motor stuff or just? Yeah, it was it was a full-blown engine shop. Actually, okay. there was a guy, my buddy's dad used to uh, give bodies in white out like for pro stock guys. Yeah. And one of the pro stock racers was these, was this guy's the Scribner brothers and their cousin, Bill Hyatt, who owned this machine shop had passed away. And he was like, this machine shop's up for sale. And I walked in and this dyno flow bench, all these machines, like a lifetime of, you know, it took him a lifetime to afford these machines. And I got it like for me, which was like everything I had, uh, but it was still a song and I got it. And then, you know, ignorance is bliss. I was like, I could do this. It's no problem. You know, yeah. and then I, <laughs> then I began fucking shit up for a while. You know, <laughs> That's a long process too. When you fuck that up because it's, you don't really know until it's in the car, plumbed, assembled, going down the road at the track and then it fucks up. Right. Yeah. You can't so just knock a two by four out and put <laughs> right. a straight one in. I mean, that's, that's starting over. And you think you're, you know, when you're that young, you think, you know what you're doing. I, I had this guy, um, this guy, Gene Oley, he, he had a shop called Evan Speed. And he was like the guy in my dad's magazine, car magazine. So he was like the guy. And he came in to uh, like buy a machine off of me because I had this old machine that I wanted to get out of there. And he like picked up a couple of things that I machined and he like saw that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And <laughs> he... <laughs> And he took a liking to me for whatever reason. And like on the weekends, we would like trade with each other. And he kind of like took me under his wing and showed me a lot of the like old school proper ways to do things that today I still see people doing it wrong, you know? So I got really lucky with that guy and, um, you know, and, and just spent like, honestly, like 10 years of my life uh, losing money and living in that shop for seven days a week, you know, you were just doing general automotive machine, just rebuilding motors or you were, was it high performance from the start? It was almost, I mean, I, at that time I'd taken whatever would pay the rent, but we were doing, you know, most of it was high performance stuff. Like a, a few years in, like our main business was like offshore Marine. So like blowing big block, you know, uh, we were doing like the Conseco boat motors and, all of that stuff under a private label. Um, so you learn really quick on what works when you get a prop going in and out of the water at like 7,000 RPM when it's just pinned to the wood for an hour, you know? Yep. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, my dad always had a, a, a love for, for cars. So he had like a Andretti series Lotus. He had a 70 boss Mustang that he used to SCCA race. He had a, Corvair that he used to SCCA race and um and then he got a Pantera which he twin turbocharged when I was a kid and we used to rip around in that thing so that's probably why I'm fucked with turbochargers is because uh, like every Saturday we'd go to this one road and he'd just be cracking boost down this road with me in the passenger seat you know <laughs> yes yeah, you always remember your first turbo ride my old man was into sand car sand rails and he had a it was a turbo uh Volkswagen like a tube chassis sand rail and you like at the time he that thing was fucking super ripper compared to everything that was out there. It was the only one with like a turbo on it. Similar horsepower to the stuff you're making. If you like knock yeah. off two yeah, zeros, like, probably it's like one <laughs> cylinder of what Tom makes horsepower. But yeah, you have fucking turbo noises and like you just remember the way that thing like kicked you in the back. I mean, even though it was 300, 250 horsepower or something, but it was 
Yeah, but the, the boost, as shit. The boost kicking in, you know, especially at a young age. So it's our father. Everybody's dad's fault, pretty much, for getting us into this shit. And you're this. You're no different. So yeah, it's it, there's so many stories of like, um, you know, the dad and the son. You know, the bond that they had between that that makes it special. You know, was it Nelson Racing Engines then? Um. What do you mean? But uh, you, you start when you bought it. You it was Nelson Racing Engines uh, from the get go, or did is that kind of once you realize that I'm doing, yeah. I want to do more of this shit. It was always Nelson Racing Engines from the beginning. Yeah, I always I always joke about it. Like the American guys, uh, like myself, it's like I'm going to name the company after myself, you know. And then you it's like Japanese, it's like Mishimoto or some <laughs> name, you know. Just the, but if you're American, it's like. Yeah, it's gotta be me, Nelson, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Back when you were street racing, what uh what cars were you racing? Your personal um, stuff. I I, I I have and still have uh, a seventy two Nova. Um yeah. it, it was it, it was like a uh <laughs> everybody used to just you know clown on me because it, it was flared out. It's like a like an old Trans Am style uh Nova, you know. Uh but we when we'd go to the races, we'd have like you know, 90 tens in the thing, it'd be all fully prepped to go in a straight line, but people would be like, you want to race me at a road race car, you know? And so that was kind of to our advantage. You know, I was always, I think I had like three hidden nitrous systems and they could like take off one at any time, but I'd have two more. I could activate at any time. You know? <laughs> you street racing guys always come up with some pretty wild yeah. shit. <laughs> Yeah, we never, we never had, well, that scene was around here. Never, we never got into that, but I'm, you got to have some good stories from that shit. I mean, what, what was that scene like? Had to be some cool shit going on back then. It was super fun. I mean, I, 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 I enjoyed the hell out of it, but when, as we kind of progressed, the gangs kind of got involved and I saw a guy get shot and then I saw another guy get run over and I was like, all right. I'm kind of not going to do this anymore. You know, so <laughs> that's when I actually just started building motors out of my grandmother's garage is, is when I just was like, ah, but, uh, it was fun for, for a long, long time. And then it just got a little weird. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, when people start shooting, it gets, tends to get a little weird. Yeah. It's it real <laughs> much safer in grandma's garage. <laughs> it doesn't happen <laughs> the, at the good the, guy the shows. Best, best stories are where, where like either you had a sleeper or you got just wrecked by a sleeper. I remember, um, I got wrecked by this little RX seven. I was just like, Holy shit. This thing went like one fifty in the quarter and it sounded like nothing. It was like, I think it was 80 cubic inches or something. The guy just trained me on the big end so hard. I was just like, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude, that's cool. So when did all that stuff? So when did it turn from, you were doing marine motors. You're doing private label stuff. You're just machine and custom motors. When did it turn into like Nelson racing engines as we know it today? When did like motor packages start coming together? And I think, you know, in my eyes, you're kind of like notorious for well known for the, like your style, the alien intake, it's your valve covers. Everything's murdered out. It's your turbos. It's got like, you know, it just has your signature, your look on it. When did that kind of get so we opened, we opened professionally and like, you know, with a real shop in 95 and then probably, you know, I was always fishing, doing weird stuff. Like in 97, we were doing 
we were bolting those four valve heads on a normal small block and doing those weird 32 valve uh, small blocks. Yep. And then, and then we got into turbocharging pretty heavy in 98, like, cause we were doing turbocharged and we started doing a couple turbo Marine stuff. And I used to call them a two for one cause it'd make, you know, enough power for two blown motors. Um, so yeah, I'd say 98, 2000, it really started getting going. And then we got some like good notoriety, like with Coddington, where we did that turbo vet for Coddington on American hot rod. Yep. And then, um, we did Stilo's, uh, Malitude, which Stilo hates me by the way. And then we did, uh, <laughs> and then we did, um, uh, Freiburger's F bomb. I was going to ask you, when did you do F bomb? That thing's kick ass. So F bomb was like, I want to say Oh four ish. Um, but it was just kind of at that point, it was just really starting to snowball. Like there was just so much happening, you know? Um, and like the, <laughs> the electronics were getting better and the turbos, like when I, we, when I started, um, out doing the turbo stuff, everybody was doing like T3, T4 hybrid turbos and, and all the turbo guys and the experts were like recommending compressor maps for these little teeny turbos. And I was going off of the recommendation and I was just, you know, just really getting a terrible response to it all. You had a ton of uh, exhaust pressure, it glowed, and it didn't make that much power. Um, and then I finally, you know, you'd be going to the track, you'd see what ran good at the track. And I finally talked to these guys. I'm like, you know, these are the turbos I want. Uh, and they'd be like, you, you know, you're just putting, you're putting a drag race turbo on a, on a streetcar engine. It's never going to work. And I remember it was actually, um, it was it, it, this, the small block we were doing, we put a set of 72s on this small block that we were building. And I had been six months on the dyno trying to get this thing to work running everything from innovative turbo that was thrown on these, all these little 60 millimeter stuff and everything, put these 72 millimeters on there. And when I went to pull the dyno handle, it almost blew the intake off because it was so lean. So it lean popped really bad. And I just had like a smile ear to ear because I knew the motor needed fuel. So we just put fuel in it at that point and, and it, it picked up 550 horsepower from a turbo change. And, and at that point I was like, I mean, my, I had a manual go power dyno that used to have like a dial that wrapped around and to make like 750 raw on that dyno was like 1200 these days. The thing was the stingiest thing on earth. And I, I remember it wrapped around 750 and went up to like 200 foot pounds like on the other end of the needle, I was just like, holy shit, this thing. <laughs> and at that point I was like, all right, we got something really killer here. You know, what'd that motor go in? Uh, well, it never did, uh, actually, because Stilo didn't believe that that's what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a lot more to that. <laughs> He has probably every right to be mad at me, but, um, <laughs> but any rate, that was the motor that really kicked it off. Cause we, the thing just kicked ass. It never got in a car. Um, but after that, we started doing that as in packages and these, these things just, um, they just, they're amazing, man. They idle 
they make like nowadays we're making like 2000 horsepower on a totally streetable engine, you know? And, um, Nuts. and with the electronics now it's like crazy. You can have like track, you know, closed loop tra- traction control and boost control and all sorts of safeties built in. Like if the driver, like lately that's what we've been concentrating on is like safeties. So like, you know, the guy runs low on fuel, it'll see a duty spike and will kill coils. So he doesn't kill the motor or, um, if the motor overheats, we'll just take the DVW and shut it. So he's like, what the fuck's going on? My motor, he has to like, look around and see the gauges pinned, you know? <laughs> so we're doing a lot of stuff like that now. Um, and it's crazy. It's like, it's, it's easy, you know? Yeah. You've pretty much mastered like the hard parts and the packages and what goes inside them. Now it's the net as, behind the wheel. Well, as the electronics are advancing, you're able to keep tweaking the product with that. What, what do you see? What harness, what stuff is, what are you running those? I know we've had some of your older stuff and I know it's evolved from there with some different, uh, ECUs. What's the go-to? Well, I think they like the go-to like for most people is the Holly. Cause the Holly is just, it's kind of like an apple, you know? Um, but like for like higher end, I'll use something called life racing where, um, the life racing stuff is like, it's just wild how much it can do, you know, but again, for the money, the Holly's wild for what it can do. Like the Holly for the money is, is completely unbeatable in my mind. You know, like you can go get like a, a Terminator max and that thing will run circles around what I used to like what originally came in that motor in the Camaro. Yeah. The Terminator max will like smack that thing 10 ways to Sunday for a fourth of the cost, you know? Yeah, we've had pretty good luck with all the, the Holly stuff. I mean, we use their Dominator and anything that's supercharged, boosted. It seems to be good for for what we do. Yeah, it's good stuff. So outside of being able to control the safety from the electronics, you've built a shit ton of huge horsepower motors. There's got to be some good like anti-safe stories of because it's it, it's shocking like you know like the when the boost hits stories there's yeah. there's got to no. be there's got to be some good shit because you wish I mean, you had the traction control and everything now, yeah maybe i mean yeah 1500 2000 like if you actually if you are making a legit 2000 crank horsepower i mean that's a traction control sure that that keeps you pointed in the right direction but that can get out of hand like in a hurry I had the VP of Shelby Automobiles. Did you ever see that Code Red car that we did? Uh, yeah, what, what was it? They, they brought an 08 GT500 to us, and we like, they just dropped it off and said, you know, do what you would want to do to it. Yeah. And so we did like, dude, I mean, I think we developed like 200 new billet parts for this thing. So it was a twin turbo, 544 valve. And like on pump gas, it was making like 1160 to the ground in Oh nine or 10, you know? Yeah. And so the, the owner who was the VP at the time came and it was like, well, before I drive to Vegas, I want to, you know, make sure that this thing's, uh, you know, gonna make it on the way home. And dude, this guy was just like, I mean, that thing was spinning the tire at like 130 mile an hour. And I was in the passenger seat and he'd like at a hundred, like when he grabbed fifth, like he didn't, he didn't know I was in the car. He was just like, 
I'm like, bro, bro, we don't even have a cage in this thing right now. What are you doing? You know? But he was totally fine with it and, and like in love with it, you know? So we, there's so many stories like that. I mean, yeah, like, God, I got to think just like we, we had a, a 10 Camaro that we had worked our asses off on. It was making like a solid 1600 horse. And a lot of times what I'll do is like, I have a guy that uh, I trust that I'll let him drive and then I'll tune while he's driving. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn the boost up. And we were like in this four lane road, the customer was like flying in the next day to come get his car. We turned the boost up and like he clicked it into third. And sometimes when you're doing a burnout, when the wheel speeds like really high, you don't want to just let off or it can upset the car. So you want to kind of keep the wheel speed up and slowly have the, you, you guys know this. Yeah, ease, ease out of it. <laughs> yeah. So, but he, I don't know what he was thinking, but he just kept in. I was like, holy shit, we're going like 160 <laughs> miles an hour wheel speed right now, you know? <laughs> and we just looped it. Man, man, it's like poles everywhere. And I don't even know how we did not hit anything, but like, like pop the rear tire and shit. And, you know, I was never telling the customer, I'm like, he flew in. I'm like, we got to get some rear tires. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I'm like, well, we kind of spun it out last <laughs> night. You know? And he looked at it. He's like, they're, they're flat on the sides, you know? Yeah. It's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy. I know. Right? I don't know that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's wild because until you get into that horsepower bracket, like we were building stuff for years that five, 600 horse, like six, 600 naturally aspirated horsepower. That was, that was a lot. Like you do like a rolling first gear burnout and glaze the tires into second gear and you know, 40, Stay 50 miles it. an hour. You, know, you look like a fucking rock star. It's easy. You can slide the car around, but it's a totally different sensation. And you need to be a different driver. When you start glazing the tires and breaking the tires loose, like at triple digit speeds. Shit gets real, real yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nuts for sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I actually, like, nowadays, I'm, like, my my wife and everybody's like, man, you drive like a grandpa, you know? I'm like, well, I'm driving my stock car. I don't care about going fast. So I'm, like, in, like, 70, like, usually in the slow lane. My wife's like, what are you doing? You got a Prius? You're in California. Are you What's your what's your daily? Are you rocking a, an EV yet? Or? <laughs> I, I drive an 11 Infinity with, like, 170,000 miles. Nice. On. <laughs> Turbos like, on it or no? <laughs> No, it's bone state. It's got it's got high mileage. That's what it's got. <laughs> it's got a it's got a hole in the carpet from my foot because I'm kind of too big for it, so I have to kind of cramp in there. So, <laughs> worn a hole in the carpet from my foot. I remember a while back I was talking. You didn't you fuck yourself up pretty good in a some crazy turbo hill climber. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. What was? was- that- that's kind of why I'm a puss these days is uh, <laughs> I, I flew off a cliff in Iceland. You know what a formula off-road or yeah. Yeah. I've seen him on like, I've, I've seen him on YouTube. It's pretty much like the most insane form of motorsports. It's uh, yeah. the car isn't big enough to fit your balls in. It looks like because it's yeah. just, you just throttle the fuck down and go straight up a hill. Right. Is that basically the gist of it? And all the cars, like, you know, this is not to demean anyone, but like they're, they're home built, like monstrosities, you know, they're, they're insane. Like they're, they're these crazy four wheel drive deals. And we had built a twin turbo, uh, 
Windsor, like 1600 horse twin turbo Windsor. And that car that we, that I broke my back in that thing, uh, we, we drove on water for a thousand feet at like 50 miles an hour. So you drive into this lake, hit boost, and then the paddles keep you on the water for a thousand foot. It stayed on the water, you know, so it's fucking insane. But we went out there, we were filming for this show thing we were doing. And, um, and I jumped in this thing and I'm, we actually, I got there and the car wasn't even half built. So like I spent half the, my time in Iceland, I'm like, we're going to go, you know, check out Northern lights and we're going to go to this like blue lake pond or whatever it was, you know? And then the whole time was spent in a garage, getting it ready. And then we took it out on this thing. And, and like the first shot was, we we're going to drop off this cliff. That was like, like what you didn't want to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like we're gonna do this for the first shot like fuck man like i i mean i don't want to be a puss you know <laughs> so i like I'll, I'll just sack up and do it but, so i was asking Gaborn who was driving i'm like so this is no problem right he's like it's no problem it's no problem so we get up there i'm like so how many times you just do this all the time he's like i've never done this i'm like you've never <laughs> before you know like what the fuck are we doing you know and so we ended up dropping off of it and he actually knew what he was doing. And he throttled like right on the bottom of it was able to not like nosedive in this thing. And we kind of were doing a bunch of shit. And after a while, I'm like, all right, well, he knows what he's doing. I'm just going to stop worrying about it. And then we went on this like road where it's like a narrow road. It's everything's like lava rock over there. And so we were flying on, on this road, which is like a fire road. And then next to the road, was a 50 foot cliff, you know, <laughs> and he's getting in and out of boost. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, I don't want to fly off this cliff. And then you put a camera on somebody and they get stupid, you know? Yeah. So he got in first gear and he lost control of it completely in first gear under full boost. And I was like, we're dead. And then he collected it. I was like, thank God. Like a clicked in second, got full boost again in second. And then I was like, and, and then completely lost control. I knew we were dead. Like there was no <laughs> regaining it. And we started flying like right towards this like six foot volcanic rock. I'm like, oh my God, we're going head on in a volcanic rock right now, you know? <laughs> and somehow he corrected it enough to miss going head on. But the, my rear tire like hit this rock. And when we hit the rock, I immediately broke my back. Like it was like a fucking, sh- the gnarliest shockwave. Like I was just, you can hear in the video. It's just like, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) and so then we hit the rock and it just catapulted us off the cliff. And then we just went rolling off the cliff, you know? And I was just like, uh, shit. Wasn't good. I went to try to get out of the truck afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I can't get out of the truck. (laughs) (laughs) That's like one of those pikes peak, like where you, you see those dudes just tumbling down the fucking hill. Is it that? Yeah. Yeah. And then did you get the crash on camera? Yeah, we had we got like we shot like a where the hell's that video? I haven't seen that. Well, maybe one of these days when they actually (laughs) if they release this stuff. I if they if we ever get like Kevin Hart picked up this deal with us, so I think we're actually gonna sell it and you'll be able to see all the episodes, but yeah, no, you've been well we talked about that a while back. Is that uh that's something that's going to come to fruition. They're 
I, I, I'm not going to say yes. I, I, I would assume it would, but you know, it's been a long time. Like if it does, people are going to look at like the second season and be like, fucking Nelson aged like five years, man. You know? <laughs> Those turbo motors will do it to you. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's the stress. Well, then you could tell them that, like, since then you've stopped building hot rods because I know you and I have talked about that a little bit. That can easily add five years within, you know, six months. I feel like that can add five years of aging, stress, oh. gray hair, or lack of hair. Oh yeah, I don't have any left, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing with that? You you kind of are you still shying away? I know you got a couple like super high end build still but are you still shying away from the the hot rod builds and focusing on the motors or what's your yeah what's your, I, I like we're not going to take a car job for probably through at least three years um I, i've made a promise to myself just uh, a lot of things have happened to my it, you know kind of personally um with my brother passing away and stuff like that so um i got to dedicate time to be able to be there for my family so the cars are just they're they take my mind even when i'm at home yep. so i i had to kind of put a halt on that we have you know some really cool builds that will finish that like the all-wheel drive gto we're gonna finish and i've got this pretty badass diablo we're gonna finish and these twin turbo trucks so there's cars in here that we're gonna finish but just on a longer time uh time scale yep and i'm just not gonna add like at one point we had like 24 car builds in here and we only had like 24 employees. So it was just instant and like, uh, you know, a hundred open engine orders. So it, it just got to the point where we're never delivering. And, and I was always, you know, thinking about the next, what if while, you know, my kids are growing up. So yep. now it's, it's, it's time to, you know, make time for them and, and get the business running, you know, doing badass shit, but not taking every ounce of my mind, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, it's cool. I mean, I, I like following, I, I know the few cars that you're doing. They're very bitching to follow that Diablo has got like the coolest looking turbo setup, just the way they land. I haven't even seen the car. I just see the motor and it's yeah. fucking sick. The way that that all laid out is really, really cool. And that Goatzilla, that's what it's the GTO yep. is, right? Yeah. That thing's, yep. I've been following that for years. I love seeing those posts come up. It's like crazy, crazy innovative stuff. I can't even imagine the hours that are in that, but that thing's, that thing's wild. It's going to be that, that, that car right there is, it's got me so juiced because uh, the electronics that we have going into that car, like we have like the, you know, a really sophisticated Bosch ABS going into it. I've got, you know, wheel speed sensors on all four that a traction control system will operate. Um, I mean, like, it, it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's going to have, like, leather, you know, heat and power seats, all the amenities, but have, like, every ounce of race car in it, you know? So it's uh, me and the owner, like, the day we fire that thing, are just going to be laughing because I'm going to be, we're both going to be, like totally nervous and freaked out to even step on it, you know. I, I can imagine after the time and effort put into it, that one's got to be a little frightening to stomp on. That's something. I mean, Nelson's always for last fifteen years of following there longer than that. I mean, there's never been anything that the envelopes kind of pushed. 
it's like destroyed. It's everything it's not is, an envelope anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's always just you know, and, and, and above really anybody else out there as far as building cars or motors. You, you mean you hats off to you. Everything that's come out has been wildly innovative and just completely crazy. No rules. I mean, even from back in the day on the F bomb. I mean, nowadays probably looking back, it's you know not near as crazy as as it was then, but. Under the hood, I mean, the aluminum, even the way the templated NRE, and I remember, you know, way back then thinking that's like NASA spaceship, like the craziest, wildest thing I've ever, you know, ever seen. Yeah, I, thank you. I mean, I, it's funny because, you know, it like, I, I feel the same way about you guys. You guys are like, uh, it's funny. I actually got a little nervous even getting on camera. I never even get nervous, but you guys are... Um, you guys are killing it so hard. Like, uh, you guys are, you went from like where Art Morrison ruled the world where, you know, I'd see, I think I, I remember like, and I, I might be wrong, but it was like a green Chevelle, like, and it was like roadster shop. And I'm like, who's, who are these guys, you know? And the next thing you know, it's like fucking fast tracks everywhere. You know, SEMA's fucking most growing company. I went to your party in Vegas and was like, holy shit, this is a <laughs> badass party I've ever been to for a car guy. Dude, we, we said the same thing. We were there too. I was worried. We, we threw that party. I was worried it was going to be like, you know, that like first dance at the prom where like nobody wants, like 10 people, nobody wants to go out on the dance floor. And then it was, dude, that just blew the fuck up. That was a great, great fucking time. Fuck, my, my little brother uh, who was with me at the time, took like a hundred of your hats, man. Like everybody. <laughs> hats. I'm like, what are you doing? No one. He's like, fuck it, man. They're free. <laughs> yeah. That's where all the marketing is working. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. That was a good time. The, uh, you, you touched on it at the very beginning. You talking about seeing, you know, fast tracks everywhere. That's the way we feel at least me on the chassis shop side of things. You know, I'm looking through it with chassis orders, whatever. And it's just like, you know, fast track Chevelle, Twin turbo Nelson, twin turbo NRE, NRE five seventy two NRE, and then you start looking at the you know some of the chassis stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, probably need to call this guy back. He's <laughs> yeah. making two thousand horsepower and you know, needs like no sway bar. <laughs> there's been so many times. It's funny Josh brings that up because there'd be countless times when you're up there and you you know we've got all the chassis orders, and you'll see it's Nelson Racing twin turbo big block, and I'll be like, what the f-? like I don't pull the chassis orders all that often, but I'll pull it and be like what the fuck has this guy got for like, what's, what's the rear end? What suspension? What chassis is it? Yeah. And occasionally it'll be like 31 spline. It'll be like spec chassis. <laughs> yeah. 31 spline. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, dude, <laughs> call this guy. Like this thing needs the high horsepower upgrade. It needs this. It needs that. And it's, but man, we see it's a we standard. See, yeah. It's a standard. We see a ton of them, but it's cool having done them. And when you, like we get some guys that you can really help like advise guys as far as like ride height and as you'll get dudes that want this mode like it's twin turbo hemi and i want like a three inch ride height and i want a flat hood and a lot of <laughs> chassis builders would just be like okay we'll just put the motor mounts there here you go bam this is your rear end you get regular poly bushings in the back and to us it's almost like a it's a challenge because you've got to make sure that we can build something that keeps up with what you're doing and then we know where the stuff goes. We know where the motor goes. We know the hood clearances and it's nice to be able to work back and forth. I mean, I've hit you up a number of times for like, Hey dude, how tall is this manifold? And it's stuff we probably don't need to do, but it's nice to be able to give somebody a package that works and is going to stay together when 
that motor yeah, just punishes it. it. <laughs> it's funny. It's like it, it. It's almost. I would say like got to be at least sixty-five to seventy percent of my customers are roaster shop chassis. You know, it's fucking crazy. You know, it's like every one of them, and, and they always lead in with like, "I got a roaster shop chassis." You know, I'm like, "Great!" You know, <laughs> we got to figure out what to do with that other twenty-five percent. <laughs> <laughs> those guys need to wait a little longer on their engine <laughs> exactly <laughs> kind of piggybacking off what my brother uh said here what are some of your recommendations for guys that are building these type of cars putting your motors in or just looking at turbo motors in general what's some advice you can give to you know i mean most guys are putting your motors in aren't your average home builder but you know from all your experience what are some recommendations you could throw out there that might help some guys out it's always the supporting systems um that make the car you know so on like a motor like mine like the number one thing that you do before you do anything is you put the biggest you buy the biggest radiator you can do and then you build the core support around that radiator and intercooling or whatever you're going to do so usually like especially a motor like mine you kind of build the car around it you know so like for me, the minimum on a radiator is like 34 by 19 by, you know, with minimum twin 16 inch spalls. But, you know, those those Viper fans are pretty badass if you can get your hands on them, you know. Yep. Um, and then from there, you need like a badass alternator because these cars, they'll have AC. They got triple fuel pumps. They got two big fans. And obviously, they probably have a tranny cooler. And then, you know, so that they're drawing like 105 amps at idle and you have this high amp, 140 amp alternator that can't even keep this like going, charging at 12 volts, you know, so you need an alternator that can handle it too. So we get power master makes this this like hybrid alternator that makes like 190 amps at idle, you know, and then 270 when you're in it. And so that's another thing. Another thing is fuel system. So, um, you know, a motor like this, you can kill it really easy if you, if you drop fuel pressure or you just don't get enough volume. So I think that's when we see a whole bunch of chassis orders coming through, you, you know, NRE twin turbo, big block, and then they get a gas tank and it's a 600 horsepower, you know, rated yeah. pump, try to explain to them. And they're like, no, no, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, it's going to be an expensive second motor that you're probably going to end up buying. A hundred percent. Like if you, if you don't fuel it, it's dead. This, I don't care if you make it out of kryptonite, it's done, you know? So, um, Airmotive's got some brushless stuff. That's pretty good. They've got some like seven GPM pumps. And for like a lot of my crate motors that are like 1500 horse, they have that trifecta, which is like three, four fifty wall burls gained together, basically. Yep. Um, and so we'll like trigger, we'll drive around on one and then have the computer trigger the other two under boost or whatever. So the fuel system, cooling system, electrical system, obviously you guys know as well as I do, whoever wires the car needs to be like legit or else you just have a mess on your hands, you know? Yep. So, um, but for a turbo car, it's almost always like the core support. Like if you guys want to make a lot of money, if you made a core support, that integrated all that shit, people buy it up like, like oh, mad. Yeah. Well, when like, we, I'm, when we get in, that's great advice. Cause I, I, I'm right there with you. You don't, you don't stick a Nelson 
racing engine in your car you wrap your car you build your car around that motor and like you said the, where, where we start core support you don't even don't even think about using the stock core support it's not that you're gonna like notch it and put this radiator and then you're gonna mount just throw the core support in the garbage put tack yeah. a piece of like one by one across your fenders get them gapped where you need to and just start mounting the biggest baddest radiator inner coolers trans coolers power steering cooler oil yeah. cooler and we've condenser. had yeah. i don't even like think about it that's just that's like a go-to and you've got to build the car to keep up with that motor package and we we did that on that 70 camaro it was just wasn't even like didn't even think about it just the biggest nastiest inner cooler you can get in it and at the end of the day it works out kick ass but you got to be prepared to build something that's on par with that package i think that's yeah. the, unfortunately the biggest disconnect with most all of our customers and you know there's the the knowledge, them learning the fact of difference between building a car and then bolting a bunch of components to it. I mean, because these most, didn't come with anything, yeah, any provisions right. for what we're we're trying to do with them now, right? Yeah, the factory, it's, you know, or a be cool replacement radiator is, is, you know, I understand it bolts in, but there's a lot of things yeah. that aren't going to work around with it, you know. And I'll get that all day long. Is they'll be like, but I have this radiator. It says it's rated to this. I'm just like, look, I'm just not recommending that. You know, I'm recommending this nightmare way, you know, yeah. <laughs> but that that's the way it's supposed to be done, you know, and almost always, if we have a failure, it's because of one of those things I had spoken about it, it is, has killed it, you know? Um, and, uh, Nowadays, with with all the safeties, you can sometimes, you can. I mean, we did something for Celine. We did a, a, a whole bunch of mid-engine twin turbos uh, for Celine uh, for their new S sevens or whatever, and they'd come back in. I'd pull data logs. I'm like, fucking, they're running this thing like fucking 220 degrees, you know, under boost, and they'd be like, oh no, no, I didn't do it. I'm like, it's it right says here. it doesn't lie. Right here, you know, looking. So. Um, yeah, it, I mean, you know as well as I do. All those things, all those things are good. You're usually good. that that car is going to live a long time because the turbo motors are great. You don't need like a ton of valve spring. They're low compression, like they last a long, long time. I got one customer who's got like 14 years on one of them. You know, wow. Um, so and nowadays they're just like like our 1500 horsepower turbo crate has valve spring uh, pressures that are no more than like a LS crate motor. It's like 360 pounds open or something. So you'll get a hundred thousand miles out of the valve train, you know? So what's, what's the craziest build you've ever been a, a part of? Well, like finished is Maximus that that thing is like, there was times where I'm like, why did I agree to do this? You know? <laughs> and then didn't you like did it again too. I remember like, I saw it like show up at SEMA and then you like, Fucking did all this other badass shit to take, it afterwards. Take us to the beginning of that for get for people that don't maybe know what all that is and, and was and it was involved with that. So that 68 charger, Scott's box 68 charger. Um, he originally came in, he wanted to build like three hundred thousand dollar, you know, pro tour style, you know, charger. And we were gonna do like a twin turbo motor in it, and it was just gonna be kind of like a bolt-on car. And I put like a 345 in the back of the car and was like all stoked. I'm like, check out that meat. And, and the guy was like a really respectful guy, but I could tell he was like bummed. 
And I was like, what's going on? And he's just like, uh, it just doesn't look good. It looks like a weenie, you know, and a charger is a big car. So 345 doesn't necessarily look good, like white on it. And I'm like, well, what do you want? It's still like the widest tire I can get right now on like a real radial. And, and he's like, you need to go bigger. So Mickey had that 3118. And so we bought one and, and kind of stuffed it in there. And he's like, that's what I want. I want it to do. You know, I want it to look like that. And I was like, well, that means like the whole rear of the car is, is gone. And at the time, like, you know, I don't know why I didn't buy a, a custom chassis from you guys. I just decided I wanted to like hit myself in the nuts the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn the hard way, yeah. man. <laughs> so we handcrafted all the chassis in the rear and like made everything. And so, but that changed the build from like one build to like the next level build. And then uh, we didn't want it to look like a wide body, even though we ended up widening the car like six inches. So we started from the front of the door and like transitioned the metal all the way to the taillight. Um, so if you look at it, you kind of can't tell it's a wide body. It still looks like a stock charger. Maybe not, but in my mind, it kind of looks pretty, pretty original, you know? And we did that. We started, you know, the metal work. I thought, well, this is a great way to show off the craftsman we have at Nelson racing. So we'll bring it to SEMA and bare metal. And I didn't ever like plan on like clearing it afterwards, you know? So we brought it to SEMA and bare metal and people like freaked, like it was like crazy how much like draw that car got, you know? And everybody's comment was like, if you paint it, cause I was, we were going to paint it black. And like, if you paint it, you're going to lose half the coolness of that car. So then Scott was like, bro, we can't paint it. You know, and I'm like, Scott, you don't understand. Like for us to put clear in this car, it looks cool right now. And we've like DA'd this thing and it, it looks like it's straight, but it's not straight, you know? And so then we basically hammer and dollied that car to where we just laid clear on it, you know? And that was like two years, like all you heard in my shop was like, ting, I ting, called ting, them the, ting, ting. the three amigos, the three amigos. And they were just like, Oh my God, man, what did I take this job on? You can't even walk in the shop without these guys hitting metal, you know? Uh, yeah, I remember it was like probably, I don't know, a couple of months after SEMA, we saw the car and then we're looking on your Instagram, like dude, quarter panels are off the car. They're like that'll <laughs> finish in the quarters finish. again. I'm like dude, it was pretty fucking nice before. And now they're just, yeah, that was uh, that's that's funny that you actually noticed that. But we dude, had we're one. Sto- we're fucking stalking you, man, <laughs> dude. That that was like I had to like take a walk for like a day to get my head straight. But when we when the guy originally one of this guy who was working for me, he had split the doors and widened them. Well, he widened them, but he didn't widen them in a way to where when you shut it, the door sealed on the seals. You know. Yeah. And so like all the geometry was screwed and he just figured we were just going to rebuild all the um, insides of the doors. And so we got to that point and then I realized that and I'm like, Oh my God, we got to cut the doors and rear quarters off the car to do this. Right. You know? So we just scrapped it and started over. And that, that was like, I can't believe the customer didn't stab me when that happened. You know? <laughs> we thought you were just trying to metal finish it again. I didn't know yeah. that side of it. Dude, from the outside looking in, if he didn't stab you for that machined uh, top of the gas tank lid that you did, oh, then you're man. good. Because I remember seeing that. I'm like, holy fuck. Look yeah. at that. Like, that is crazy. He machined that. 
Dude, you know how much that gas tank cost a machine? How much? I'd love to know because I remember looking at it and wonder, <laughs> wondering how much that cost. It, well, one, it was 2,000 pounds when we started. And I had to find a guy with a 3060 to be able to cut it, like with multiple fixtures. Cost 20 grand to cut that. Oh, shit. <laughs> It's badass, oh, yeah, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Who else? I, I heard that? about it multiple times. This thing's getting a little bit out of control, dude. Fucking Nelson machined a gas tank. Relax, yeah, dude. Keep, <laughs> keep. You got to keep that stuff up because it buys me like some wiggle room over here to do some cool <laughs> shit. Yeah, uh, that car, right. dude. That that car. I mean, the GTO obviously is like. I guess from a craftsman standpoint, from like the body, I'll never do that again. And it, that'll always kind of be, I'm glad I did it. Cause I, we were just the team I had for the metal guys that were just like fucking Yodas, you know, um, I was, you know, and it, that, that's cool to be around. Like we had at one point we had like six Yodas working on that thing, you know, like nice. all the guys <laughs> that, you know, were in there working on that thing, you know, um, the GTO is on a whole nother level of of madness but as far as like metal work and just craziness that that car was nuts but we took it to saudi for that saudi show do you guys go to the saudi show no. no man we uh we skipped out on that we're a lot of patriotism here keep yeah. just keep keep it here in the, the old us of a is <laughs> the way we looked at that one <laughs> he turned down 1.8 million bucks for that car wow yeah. crazy crazy so it was pretty nuts what about that? And excuse me if I massacre the name, but I was trying to figure out how to yeah, pronounce you, that earlier. Yeah, you see it. Is it Twitara? The Tutara. Tutara. Yeah. yeah. What is the deal with that? Because you see that thing pop up constantly. The motors, yeah. I mean, I, the car is the car, it's whatever, but the motors of absolute like work of art. Yeah, I was here till midnight, uh, like uh, finishing the latest version of it because they're going to go back to Kennedy and run again. So, uh, but that thing's insane. That's the fastest production car in the world. It went 286 miles an hour and 2.3 miles. Damn. And, uh, it's like a full blown rocket ship, you know, yeah. it's pretty crazy too. It's all like the latest version of it is this beautiful carbon monocoque. Well, I, I think, yeah, I, I guess it's a monocoque. It's a, a full carbon tub. Um, and, uh, and it, 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 you know, with, with those cars, like, a lot of times you see them and they're like kick cars when you put them together. Yep. But like he's really making the right moves and that's that's going to be a bad dude uh, piece. What speed are they going for this next time? Um. Well, like for sure he wants to break 300 miles an hour in 2.3 miles. So I know that it definitely can be done because on the last, on the 286 run, um, we turned the boost up we turned the boost up at 7,000 RPM in seventh gear just because we wanted to breathe. So it was, yeah. And the driver is fucking nuts, by the way. I mean, the guy's got balls of steel, <laughs> but we went 279. And then I'm like, look, let's just turn up the boost uh, just for the last part of seventh. So we can get an average over 280. So you can have the record. So we kind of threw it at it in seventh. That's, you know, at 7,000 RPM. And in two seconds, it went from 272 to 286 in two fucking seconds. Shit. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's got to be a weird feeling. The driver, like, 
was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what I've been waiting for, you know? Oh, but shit. we were trying to be conservative about it, but it ended up, um, the clutch just said, fuck you at 10,000 feet. So it only went 286, but it would easily, easily went over 300 on that run. Because give you an, give you an idea, the Koenigsegg to go from 272 to 284 took 21 seconds. So this did that in two seconds, you know. Shit. So Dude, that's a get ready to take off. That's a feather in your cab. That's a that's a point for America. Yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That car is sick, though. Like you said, you see so many of those that are like very kit carish, but. I mean, I haven't seen it in person, but watch, I've watched all the videos. I geek out on those YouTube videos, the fit and finish. I mean, that's like a full blown high end exotic car from, yeah. at least from yeah. what it appears. That thing's yeah. cool as hell. I'm, it's just going to get better and better is, is what it looks like. So, you know, it was, it's really cool to be a part of that because he's flitting the bill and we're, you know, I think it's like 40,000 bucks a day to go to Kennedy, you know, so not every day you can have a car go out there and you get to do all the data data and, and see if your motor is worth a shit, you know? Shit. And, and we've definitely, my water, my water, uh, has not been worth a shit a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, I guess when you're at that level, it's, uh, anything Push can it to the limit. <laughs> yeah. That's sick. That thing's, that's badass. What's the most horsepower you've ever made with a motor? I mean, my dyno like has like a has like a the load cell just gets buried, you know. So we had a big block on there with a pair of one hundred sixes, like twin turbo. It was seven hundred inch twin turbo big block, and at like fourteen pounds, it took the you know how a dyno graph kind of goes like up and then you know down. It just looked like a straight line, just because the load cell was buried the whole time at like two thousand foot pounds, you know. So. I don't know what the hell it made, but it made 2,000 foot pounds for the whole pole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you got to beef up the dynos to to get your numbers, huh? Uh, I, I broke it. Like, I actually make my own dyno now because we kept breaking it. So we, <laughs> we Sean over at Evod cuts them. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> he drew it up and he'll, he'll, he'll CNC machine it for us. Well, yeah, he's got a, Jerry here's got a, a probably one of my favorite uh, car stories of driving that uh, that white Camaro to the gas station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes so to get good. gas. And every time we take a car out, like it's, you kind of want to hide because you're going to get a ton of stupid questions. And, oh, I had one just like it back in the day, except mine was yellow and it was a Ford and it was a truck, not a car. And just, you kind of cringe when those guys come yeah. up. So yeah. he pulls yeah. into the gas station, filling it up. You got a, oh, nice car. How much horsepower? Got 2,000. And the guy just kind of shrugs, huh? Yep. Not bad. Just turns and walks away. <laughs> no, the next thing he asks, remember, he's like, oh, you run nitro on that thing? I'm like, dude, I'm at the fucking shell station. I'm like, yeah, there's, there's 87, 89, 93, and then there's nitro fucking methane. Like, <laughs> like, are you serious? But he, he shrugged off the 2,000 horsepower like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah figured. Cool, like, cool, cool. <laughs> buddy of mine's got one, you know, but faster. Not yeah. bad, not uh, bad. Yeah, uh, that was good stuff. Well, what do you? What's your thought? You know, you're probably, I mean, either the right or wrong guy to ask about this. But with all this EV stuff, where do you see everything going? Like fast forward five, ten years. I mean, it looks like like it's full force ahead on EV. You know, um, 
for me, like it, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, I think it, it definitely has its place, but for me, like I drove, like I, I drove a Tesla It's fucking fast. You know, the things like, it's crazy. It does all these things. Right. But when I get out of it, it, it's like soulless to me, you know, like I'm going to be like, I think I'm getting dated now, you know, like my kids are going to be like, dad, man, you're, you don't know how to, you don't know how to use this phone. You know? <laughs> so like, I'll be the guy going like gasoline forever, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, I, I'm not against it. Like I think Elon Musk is like a modern day Michelangelo, man. The guy's fucking an alien, you know? Yeah, for sure. But as far as like in a hot rod, like, I don't want to be cruising around like a soundless thing and be stoked on it. I want to like, I want to turn the key and hear that piece of shit fuel pump. That's about to burn up. <laughs> yeah. You need the, it's almost like you need that old Holly blue pump, you know, where you exactly, just flip, you know? toggle switch that thing. And yeah. exactly, and, you know, and then just have it start up and, and just like barely idling, you know, and you get out of it and you smell like fucking fuel. And you're oh, yeah. I know the it. Tesla's got the, you know, the sounds now that they do on like some of the plaid yeah, stuff. Go, it, you can make all, t- they need to do it for screw the motor noise. Like while it's running and trying to make it sound like something, they just need to make it diesel on when you shut it off. Oh like, yeah. You just pull off and it, <laughs> 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 like the old big block. Yeah. Just, <laughs> put it gear, let it roll out. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't. Uh, I'm like with you in that mode in the in idle. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's like for me, like if I were to do something, I, I'd be interested in like an assist or something. You know, like have something on the front wheels for more traction or like some kind of boost or something. But if you if you're missing the, you know, like for me, it's like a mechanical symphony. Like you've got like, um, you know. Uh, like when I'm driving one of my cars, I'm thinking about how the cam events are going, like what compression, what I did with the fuel injection. Like it literally is like when I hear it and it sounds good, it's like I'm the I'm the fucking like goodwill, kid. goodwill hunting. You like know? you're seeing the motor. <laughs> I swear to God, you know, it, it's it, so for me, it's like a, I could drive a car like there was a car we, we did a while ago, uh, that Helenor car. Do you remember that thing? It was yeah. a 68 Mustang with an yeah, 8-stack yeah. 441. I could drive that thing for like eight hours and never even think about turning the stereo on. Oh, and yeah. like a great sequential in it. I'd just be in the canyons just like decompressing. <laughs> you know? uh, and so for me, that's what it's all about. You know, I mean, I, that, I, I love that stuff. So if you're going to take that away, it might as well be my infinity going to work and back, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's definitely the total package. There is something to say for... It's every sound. It's the, the sound that shifter makes. It's the sound the motors make, the turbos, the exhaust note. It's everything. Even the sounds you don't necessarily want to hear. Like those are welcome too. It's the whole experience. Yeah. Elon's a smart guy. I think he could throw all that shit in there. I mean, do vinyl interior, make it stink just a little bit like those 60s Fords. It like you gives know? you like a little spritz. Ice a little, you know, little, little spritz of gas yeah. right before you... Uh, <laughs> and make it, do, you know, do a little engine run on when you shut it off. I mean, put all those things in. I mean, car guys would probably be a little bit more interested if you'd put all that... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wouldn't put it past him, man. The guy's unstoppable, but... but. You know, I, like I said, I drove his, his finest and that, that plaid is just ridiculous, but 
even at being a 150 mile an hour quarter car, it just doesn't do shit for me. How know? did he get away with that steering wheel in the plaid? <laughs> yeah, it looks like a death I trap. I mean, I mean look, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but that truck is the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's badass, man. It I'm does. Like, it does kind of suck. Well, think about, <laughs> I mean, just seriously, like, I don't want to get off topic, but think about like 74, the bumper that the Camaro had to have, like, to be safe, you know? And the, they they start putting these you know three foot wide bumpers and the crash bars and all that stuff in in the seventies and now it's twenty twenty two and you can be like oh just like joystick it it's fine yeah. they'll figure yeah, it put, out like put, it's not, put half a it'll fucking, drive itself yeah, put half a fucking steering wheel in it yeah it'll be all right they'll <laughs> figure it out people didn't understand how to shut a car off and like when the Toyotas were wrecking themselves when they'd kept going but you can put half a steering wheel and you think the public is going to figure that out <laughs> his his argument for that would be shit it drives itself it doesn't even need a steering wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I had to Google it because just to make sure I don't sound like an idiot, but I know uh, Mercedes was doing electric turbos. Wasn't sure if electric supercharger. Yeah, that's turbos. a thing. That's yeah. a thing now. What? Yeah, yeah. Explain those fucking deals. Yeah, like, I saw like, it at SEMA too. There's Garrett's more... getting all big on that. So that, that's basically it keeps the turbo spooled, you know? So uh, like you have no lag time, you know? So the like, electric motor just spinning the turbo when it's not spooling? Yeah. So like you're you're cruising around, you let off the throttle, and that thing's like, well, let's just assist it back up to boost. So when you tip back in, it's just you're in boost, you know. Hmm. So they have, a, they, I'm sure they have much more complex versions. Like right now, that's like the way I look at it right now is you're either going electric, but if you're going to stay with gasoline, you're going to be turbocharged because everybody's going to shrink the motor because of emissions and then to make the power that they need, they're going to need to turbocharge it. So right now, you know, uh, you know, Garrett and Borg and probably all the big guys are all doing that so they can stay, you know, current, you know? So this is going to come full circle for you. I feel like we're going to see that Tom Nelson rolling around in that Pennzoil go-kart with a single cylinder Briggs with a 72 millimeter <laughs> Nelson turbo mess with a turbo <laughs> yeah, on the side of it. Excellent fuel mileage. <laughs> yeah. One of these days, like ever since I was a kid, I, I had like when I was, fuck, I think I was like 12 or 13, I was sketching out this car that I was going to build. You know, I was like thinking, oh, well, I'm going to build this car for the masses and then I'll take the money from that and, you know, help people out with it. But at some point, I'm going to make my own car at some point, but not in the near future. But it'll be like some sports car that you can like two seater with no like assist anything it'll just be like an experience car where you get in it and enjoy it like a fiero maybe <laughs> 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 a little different than a fiero but dude phil's a fiero into yeah. a ferrari phil, yeah. phil, phil has that phil's over here smiling he's thinking he's like dude it's a fucking miato you guys are like I was more excited that you're deferring yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I got a Fiero. Fucking Tom Nelson's got, or I got a Miata. Tom Nelson's got a Fiero. They branded me as a uh, Miata owner and an SCCA Miata racer. We have created so. a, co a complete alter ego for Phil that he drives a Honda Ridgeline and he pulls <laughs> he pulls his uh, car trailer with a homemade tire rack and his race car Miata. Uh, you know, parks it on the checker flag floor with, you know, the Phil's garage sign up on the wall. So I'm looking for a sponsorship. I'm thinking a nasty twin turbo LS in the front of that Miata. Just turbos hanging like three feet ahead of the headlights. We will we will break the internet. Phil's 
Phil's uh, twin turbo <laughs> Miata Mon- Little monster Miata. <laughs> Badass core support in have, it. Have you turboed one of those things like in its stock form, Tom? <laughs> Uh, no, I took a, I took an old RX seven and put a twin turbo small block in it. That was like this. That was most of my employees would, would. I like those cars. Yeah. Most of my employees would force me to uh, get out of the car or get them out of the car. But it was like, I'd tell Phil to earmuffs right now. And we'd talk about like doing his Miata for a surprise, but we'll just talk about it later. It's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send send you an email. Yeah. You'd be surprised that RX-7 had a ton of room in it. Like, it was crazy. It was, like, easy to do the motor swap. And, like, that that car, like, when you know, you, you know, I don't, I haven't been to the movies for fucking COVID forever, but you know how they used to have that THX where it'd be, like, a, you know, mm. a micro drop, and then it's just, like, <laughs> yeah. like warp speed? That well, car I was, was I was like thinking that. current affair, sorry. <laughs> you were thinking of current affair. <laughs> yeah, the THX. I, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about, where it's, like, yeah stars fly by like star wars show that car was so freaking fast because it had a real tire on it and it had a wheelbase of my go-kart and like you'd try to stay in it it would just be like motivating so hardcore you know who i gave a ride to that you know was um my god i'm drawing a blanket um delmo you guys know delmo yeah so he came by one time and and like I was like he's like can I can we go for a ride in and like the battery was dead we finally got it started I took him around the block and he was like dead quiet he was just like fucking holy <laughs> shit you know? so. what's the fastest car you've done or been in or or any of that I mean you've built some fast ass shit there's got to be one that you're like you know the one that scared you yeah the one that scared you um well like I haven't I'm not I haven't been that fast like the that Pontiac we were talking about, like back in the year, the early days, that was like a 490 in the eighth. So you go like 140 in the eighth, but it was like a street car, you know? So that'd be like a seven second car, you know, or, or like a high seven second car or something like that on, on pump gas. So for me after that, like I can't, it, and I'm, I'm not even licensed anymore. It's been so long. So, but um, the scariest ones are like, like we had a twin, this twin turbo Moosler that we did. That was fucking nuts. What's that? Uh, like a little supercar type thing, right? Like kit car kind of. Yeah. It's like a all carbon 2,400 pound, like grief <laughs> mid engine insane like, thing. Like a noble. Yeah. yeah. We drove it to SEMA in 08 and then I drove it back and I thought this is going to be a insane ride home but my wife was like the raddest rev limiter ever she's like that could be like either the cheapest or most expensive traction control you can get (laughs) (laughs) i see what you did there i get it So we do uh, a couple of standardized questions, Tom, that we ask every single guest. So you've got some big shoes to fill on these. So I I hope you did some homework and got prepared. If not, this is going to be fun. So what is in your pockets right now? I have absolutely nothing but lint in my pockets. I'm a boring dude. Damn, nothing in your pockets. I was going to bring like this Damascus knife that I had that my (laughs) customers gave me, but I'm like, nah, I never fucking have that in my pocket. So I got nothing. (laughs) Nothing in the pocket. Hey, that's fine. A lot of guys don't have things in their pocket. That's like the second or third one. What uh, what's your favorite car movie, and why? Um, I, I think a couple like little pieces. Uh, like 
the cannonball where the Lamborghini was rolling down, uh, that, that either, either that was an LP 400 or a 5,000 S and not, I'm not sure which one that was, but I fucking love the, that year Countach, you know? Uh, so that was always, I, I love that movie. And then the scene in bullet where McQueen is like, you, the Mustang actually sounds like it's actually correct where it's going through the gears and stuff. Is that in like gear 16 or which gear? No, this is fast and furious. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not fast and furious. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, honestly though, like it's not a movie, but I'd say like, YouTube wise would be like block when he had the eight stack on the unicorn. Oh, yeah. was just like, you may as well call that a movie because that was so fucking sick. You know, that was rad the productions of those things. is just nuts. Yeah. Every time you think that they, you like, can't top himself, you know, he'll drop a tire off of another crazy place, you know, off barge or skyscraper or whatever. <laughs> More yeah. impressive that it's in a Mustang and it didn't run over anybody in the crowd. That's <laughs> like, true. It, it, they probably cut that part out. I'm sure some civilians got smoked. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were classic. You know, he's doing donuts around Randy's donuts and <laughs> end with Jane's addiction. All those things were so, so bitching, you know. Yeah, great sense of humor there. What's the uh, very first car that you ever owned? And what's a good story about that car? Uh, the first car, um, I got was an 85 IROC Z28. Yes. So I'm actually like a third gen lover, dude. I might as well have the mullet, you know? Nice. Um, God roll tide, roll tide. So, okay. The good story with that car is, um, so like the first week that I had gotten that car, um, my buddy had like a turbocharged Eagle Talon and like, they were surprisingly quick back in the day, you know. Phil, so, dude, he, hey, Phil, Phil, hold on. Sorry, pause. To, yeah, Phil. Pause. Phil knows all about this, oh. and we're gonna circle back. <laughs> so, so, so go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Anyway, we, I've been cringing. There's like a there's like a canyon, this Petrero Canyon, where we go race through the canyon, and then you go back into these like like farm fields where there's nobody around, and you can just max the car out, and so he got like 140 something mile an hour in the thing with, with me in it. And I was like, dude, I think my car could do better than that. And we're like, okay, let's go do it. So we went and got my car. And then, you know, so we're, we're like in the middle of nowhere with like ditches for the water drainage, you know, and he's clip calling out. Cause I don't even want to look at the speedometer. Cause that car was so fucking slow to go that fast was hairy as shit, you know? <laughs> so he's like one thirty six, like one thirty six and a half, you know, calling it out. And we're, we're at like 140 mile an hour and I see lights coming the other way. And he's like, those are five Oh lights. I'm like, there's no way that's a cop right now. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. And we blasted by this five Oh at 140 mile an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. And at that point I got panicked, you know, I'm like, I had my license for a week and we blasted my little guy at 140 miles an hour. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it doesn't get any worse. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, bro, we're already going 140 miles an hour. We're already Keep going. going. You know? So I'm like, fucking, we're out of here. You know, so <laughs> I fucking ran a stop sign at like a buck 10. And then I, I, I could not like, this guy was fucking like Andy Granatelli. You know, like 
and I didn't even know where the fuck I was at the time to tell you the truth. Cause we're just in like farm fields everywhere and panicked kid, you know, in Mexico per yeah, Mexico, yeah, in Mexico, yeah, right. Yeah. Southern Mexico. Any rate, he caught us. And so like when he, he finally, I'm like, we're, we're toast, you know? So I was so nervous that I like, I slammed on the brakes when I slammed on the brakes like he wasn't ready for it. He almost rear ended me. Oh, <laughs> this doesn't get any worse. <laughs> this is a great story. It's an awesome story. <laughs> so, any rate, like my buddy was like grabbing onto the e brake. He's like, when they're done beating us, I'm going to fucking kill you. You know, because like he's grabbing onto the e brake because they're going to throw him out of the car. So they throw us out of the car. We're like, like facing the gravel, gunpoint, you know, like just. And then left us there for like half an hour, you know? And I know he was like on the CD, like, you wouldn't believe the fucking chase that I just had, you know? Like, it's like a super and, trooper scene. Yeah. So, I mean, he he was cool. Like, I lost my license over it, but like, we didn't go to jail. <laughs> for how <And> long? <laughs> it was not bad, actually. Uh, it was like, I don't know. It wasn't that long. You know, because I was able to somehow I was able to go to traffic school for to get some points off of, on it, you know, <laughs> and, I then get- I got, and then I got the car like right after that. And so, like, I was an idiot. Like I like I said, like these days I am like the law abiding citizen unless we're at a track or in something badass. Otherwise, I don't give a shit, you know. But so then we were going um like there was this right hander that we used to in the rain, you could click into second, it would 360 around the right hander, and then you'd come out in like a full blown <laughs> out of there, you know. <laughs> and so I had done it a couple times. I'm like, let's do it again. And so we did it and like hit some part of the road that wasn't good, and then like smacked a tree, <laughs> went skidding across the curb, like high centering on the curb, and then hit a telephone pole. <laughs> and uh and I, I always remember like I still like, for some reason thought like, let's get out of here. And like, so I put it in drive and I was like trying to get the car to go. And there was a, like a runner on the sidewalk and he like knocked on my window and he's like, your axle is not connected to the car. You know, like, you're going <laughs> nowhere. You know? So yeah, that was it. I totaled that. And then my dad was like, uh, saw it pull up on the trailer. And like, normally my dad would be like, just fly like my mom's Italian, my dad's Irish. He just fly off on the handle. He just left, didn't even say a thing. And he came back a couple hours later. He just threw a Chilton on the floor, and he's like, "You want to crash it? You can fix it. We're not going to insurance, so you don't have a car for a while." So I had to rebuild the whole fucking thing, you know. So, and that was that's a good that's story. Awesome. We are not going to blow past the Eagle Town. Tell the Town. I thought we were good on that. This. Well, he t- he touched on two things, uh, and I don't mean to chime in on you know, his his portion of the story, but we talked about was eighties I Rock and Eagle Town. So this this is gonna be two stories that are gonna end in point for Jeremy. I don't know the eighties I Rock. Well, I'll tell you that one. So Phil had a badass car back when we were kids in high school. He had a seventy Challenger TA, three forty six pack. This thing was like nasty, and like, you know, pretty fast for, you know, that was back in like the mid nineties. So it was unusual to see, but he's got this one friend. He's got a, like the kids knows nothing about fucking cars or anything. He's got a, a Mitsubishi Eclipse. 
And all he would keep talking, he's like, uh, this is, you know, I drove it through here. I turned around this corner. You know, that's the beauty of all wheel drive. How many fucking <laughs> times did we hear? Yeah, it was nonstop. You know, dude, I mean, that's the beauty of all wheel drive. <laughs> so he stole it right from the Mitsubishi yeah. commercial. So he keeps talking shit to Phil about how he's going to like this car super fast. It's got X amount of horror. He read like all the motor trend shit and he's like talking all this shit to Phil. Two of them end up lining up at a, at a light one night, just fucking blows the doors off of Phil and this Challenger and <laughs> this Mitsubishi Eclipse. That's the beauty of all-wheel drive. Though. And that, Yeah, so the, that's the fucking beauty of all-wheel drive. We never heard the end of that. Well, like to add insult to injury, it's like a couple weeks later, lines up against a fucking Eagle Talon that does the same goddamn thing. Oh, like, God. Dude, just I would have ran him down on the big end if there was a big end, but that's a 60-foot car all day long. Yeah. Those yeah. things hooking gone. Right. But in his defense, looked way cooler, sounded way better. Had a pistol grip shifter. Yeah, the car was sick. <laughs> you know, he did the best he could with what he had. Maybe if he'd have removed that sub box, he would have been a little lighter. Maybe that was pretty integral to the car. <laughs> so I and bent the deck lid around the sub box. About the same time, this one kind of goes like hand in hand with Tom's story. About the same time, when I was sixteen, I'm driving a '69 Camaro, and we got this kid in school who gets this IROC. It's like 87, 88 IROC. It's got the cowl hood, tune port, Flowmaster exhaust on it. And, you know, where we grew up, like nobody knew anything about cars. Nobody really cared. And talking all this shit, like, dude, it's it's 20 years newer. This guy's going to smoke you. Like 20, what the fuck are you? 20 years newer. Like, what? Yours is, your car's yeah. old. Oh, yeah, what, what is that? <laughs> so he's talking all this shit. We end up finally lining up one night. And like the best place to do that was on some residential road, like right in a neighborhood. In Mexico. In Mexico, right. you know, southern Mexico. Yeah. And uh, so I dust this fucking dude. It was like out of dazed and confused because we blew through a stoplight or stop sign and there was a nice dip in the road. So you know, I had long, long tube headers, the collectors smack the ground, sparks are flying. Nice. Like, so blow this dude's doors off. Week later, kid decides he's going to like rip this thing downtown through like, He's racing. He's fucking around with somebody else racing somebody. I don't know if it was a, could have been a talent or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> ripping through downtown, this tiny little downtown area, loops this fucking IROC out in front of the police station, tags the curb, car flips like multiple times. He's ejected no way. through the T-top. Oh, shit. Yeah. Lands in the grass in the front of the police station, and the car topples <laughs> oh, no. over and over, upside down in front of the police station. He is completely like not a scratch on him. Oh my Holy god! Yeah. Shit. So yeah. after, he became like the most religious dude ever after that. Bro, you know what? That 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 brings me to a story. The, the same story as that guy when he pulled us over. He was like, uh, he's like, afterwards he's like, how fast do you think you're going? And I was like, uh, I wasn't really paying attention. But probably like eighty five or ninety, and he just he <laughs> think that like I think I broke the ice, you know. He was just <laughs> I just got one of those recently. Went up to Elkhart uh, Lake Road, America, and it's a two lane highway for seventy miles. I was going kind of fast. Flew by a cop, so I'm on the side of the road. I'm like, oh shit, I'm done. Haven't got a ticket in probably I don't know ten, fifteen years, and didn't see him for like probably five minutes like all right maybe i'm okay then finally in the rear view mirror <laughs> yeah. see him coming i'm like ah oh, shit i'm just gonna pull over right now 
and I got the same deal. Do you have any idea how fast you were going? I don't know, but pretty fast. Dude, it <laughs> took me five minutes to catch up to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did he did burn you? Did you get Give one? The, I got to take it, yeah. It's oh. fucking power to wait, man. It's fucking me out of the thing. That <laughs> <laughs> it cuts the wind. <laughs> it rips. I mean, red, too. I mean, you know all cars that are red get tickets. <sighs> uh, I hate <laughs> Tom, we're going to team up and build the most badass Miata. Shut both these fuckers it's gonna, up. It's going to end up happening. <laughs> that's something that's never been said before. <laughs> badass Miata. <laughs> oh, well, you heard it tonight. <laughs> right here on Oil and Whiskey. <laughs> One thing we talked about at the beginning, and I kind of maybe touch back on, um, we've talked about all your badass motors, badass cars that you've built in the past. What's the future direction for Nelson Racing Engines? Um. I mean, I think the future for us is like getting more complete packages for people because and easier to install. Like I'm sure you guys experienced with that small block alien, that thing like fucking you're worn out by the time you get that thing in there. So nowadays, you know, I'll have a set of headers that go with it and, you know, the tunes all done. Like the wiring is just power and grounds. So when you get something from me, it's a lot, it's, it's almost a drop in, you know, you, you want to say it's a drop in, but that never is really the case, you know, and we'll, we'll be doing some, like, I have 18 new products that we're coming out with. So we're going to have cast aliens and cast stainless headers. And I've got like a whole bunch of new turbochargers and camshafts to go with that. So if you can't afford one of my motors, you can buy, you know, the headers, the intake, the cam or whatever you need uh from that uh and and we'll finish some of these crazy cars that um like you know the godzilla and 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 all of those things so i think the crate motors will be huge that's kind of i know we've seen something similar in in our business as well you know building the insane over-the-top cars and chassis and then you know be able to build the chassis that is more or less a bolt-in i think it's it's a huge it opens a huge market for you um for us as well and I know everyone would be blown away to have a, an NRE motor in their car that is obtainable or more obtainable. We just need to meet yeah. in the middle, maybe like Dallas or something like that. We'll use like Summit. Like you send all the motors down there. We'll send the chassis down there. They'll go ahead and drop the, the motors in the chassis. Summit can stock it and you can go by and you just get everything. Wheels, tires, brakes, motor, exhaust, ready to roll. Roll on package. Yeah. I think the, the, dude, the crate motor would be, if you could get, like a crate motor together with a turbos are packaged so like tightly, like right up there at the front of the valve covers and it's, they're done into the manifolds and the inner coolers there. I mean, that would be for the guys who don't have like tons of fabrication experience. That would be a dynamite product to get into a turbo motor. Like you look at like what mercury racing is doing with their QC fours, like in their Marine stuff, yeah. you know, the, yeah. like you don't even think about, the fact that it's a tur the turbos are just there, like it's part of the motor. That that would be a that'd be a welcome addition to the, the hot rod industry. Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. We spent the last two years fitting different cars. Like I'll be, you know, a customer would be like, uh, you know, can you do it for this? And I'm like, well, I'll do it as long as you bring the truck here, so we can fit the thing on your car. You know, so now we have a header that'll fit a stock chassis C10, like Roadster Shop C10. We have a G body. We've got a 69 Camaro. We got a Nova. We've got a Tri5. We've got we've got almost every hot rod LS 
twin turbo header uh, you can do with um, with a couple of different elbows and and a main log, you know. So that's uh, that's something that's in process right now. Are you doing more LS based stuff now? Big block, small block, Hemi. Where's your where's the direction going? It, it's it's crazy. It's like the majority of our engines are LS now because you like I can't even talk somebody into a small block even though they're badass. I'd be like, why don't you go to small block? No, you know, no way. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's like LS number one, big block number two, and then probably tied for sec or for third is like turbo Hemi old school and uh, twin turbo Windsor. Um, we've got some badass coyote combinations that were about to release or maybe a few months from releasing um, that I think will be cool too. Cause they're going to, they're going to have a cool look. Can you make low end power with those? Uh, when they're blown, it's like, fuck yeah, you know. Um, but if it's turbo, yeah, even even turbo, you just if you, if you size the turbo right, like that code red was a five four, and that thing was so balls out. It was like you couldn't step on it anywhere. It was just that's the beauty of a four valve. Like I am a four valve guy, even though I'm stuck in a two valve world. Um, the four valves are just so badass, dude. They just they just sound like they're gonna blow up, you know. <laughs> I love that sound. Like you step on it and you're thinking it's going to fucking blow up, but it doesn't, you know? <laughs> Coyotes are just got, they got like a two stroke power band. It's just like, yeah. Bog. Oh shit. It's coming on. Oh, shift. Bog. And it's, you know, I don't know. They sound great. Yeah. Well, if you put a, if you put a whipple on them, it's, it's not bog. It's like blow the tires, badass RPM. <laughs> and what's, what's up with the LT? You're not screwing with the LT stuff. Um, we do some, but we really, the LT kind of is kind of a dead player for us right now. Um, not that I wouldn't, but I'll tell you what I would love to be fucking with is, um, well, one, it's not out yet, but that four valve, uh, turbo vet, if they ever come out with it, I'd love to have my hands on that. But the Z06 motor looks sick. I'd love to be playing with that right now. Yeah, that looks like a cool piece. Like they got some engineering in that thing. I would, I would maybe talk to somebody at GM and try to twist a finger to see what I can do with it. You know? So, I mean, I, I don't know the, 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 the future is bright, you know, I, with, with the way things are going right now with scanning and CAD and all of that shit, it's like the wild west. It's like, what can't you do? You know, I mean, you can be like a little mini, you guys are like a little mini OE, you know what I'm saying? You got, CNC, you got a scanner, you got a CAD guy, and you got some good fabricators. It's like fuck, you can, you can build it all. We're, we, we're thinking about going to the moon. We, <laughs> there's no reason to believe that we cannot do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no reason. How has the technology helped in in your industry? You know, it's been huge for us, and we're always investing in new technology. And I felt that's kind of what what's kept us on the forefront. Absolutely. And just kept innovating our product. I know you touched on it a little bit earlier with you know, the electronics on the motor side. Um, are you seeing it anywhere else in your industry on the engine building side? That's, it's been a game changer. Oh my God. Every, everything we do now, it's like, you know, um, we've got a skunk works project going on right now where we're going to do like a five, three bore center, um, four valve per cylinder, like 500 cubic inch V eight. Um, and that's all, just engineering you know it's it's like drawing it all and 
rotating it around and trying to figure it all out. Like every part of a motor now is, is technology, you know? Um, so I, I like to, I like to try to do that with, with our engine packages too. Cause like, you don't want to just have the same part that everybody else has. So I'll make a new intake. I'll make my own valve coverage. We'll, you know, have the heads ported a certain way. We'll, we'll usually when you see my stuff, you'll, it, it kind of looks like my stuff without a name on it, you know? And I, I try to sure. try to make it that way, you know? Yeah. There's still, I think one of the coolest things ever is just the picture of, you know, any of those alien intakes, the two turbos sitting up here, just sitting on a pallet. I mean, it could be, anywhere it's just the coolest looking fucking thing you don't even know what it is but you want it yeah thank you thank you and then you drive it and it's you have to have it yeah fucking i i remember that the first time we got behind some of the real power it was like i was done you know i was done like we had this 2000 firebird that we it was a good honest 140 mile an hour quarter car on pump gas and you could walk a Viper on the freeway like he was standing still, you know. And the thing was just some dog shit 5.7, you know, LS, but with good stuff like that. And you get you get behind that, and it's it's hard to go back. With the exception of a really nasty high RPM V8, like NA, there's not much close to a turbo motor, you know. Well, man, this has been fucking badass, Tom. It's been awesome hearing your story and everything. And uh, I'm going to hit you up. Or you hit me up when that Diablo's done because I'm coming out and I'm I want one of those like Ripper Nelson rides. For that sure. Thing. I think that thing's all wheel drive. We're yeah. gonna have to clear it up on two steps, shoot some flames oh. and Oh yeah. Ab- absolutely, dude. If it was a Coontosh, it'd be cool if it was a Coontosh, I'd show up in like a linen blazer and we'd go <laughs> rip rip the fucking town up. But but I'll take the Diablo ride. That thing's bitching and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that thing done. It's been awesome, man. Very uh very cool. Kick ass, Tom. It's been a it's been a honor and a pleasure. Seriously, great stories and uh good to sit down and hang out. For sure. Yeah, honored that you guys thought of me. So like I said, I have a mass respect for you guys and I was glad to be a part of it. Well that's mutual, man. It's been awesome, dude. Appreciate it. Till the next. Later, Absolutely. dude. Big thanks to our guest, Tom Nelson. Remember, you can learn more about him and his work at nelsonracingengines.com or on Instagram at nelsonracingengines. Before we go in this episode's next segment, we're going to break down some of our new favorite pieces of gear in the glove box. First item up is what do we have in our pockets tonight, gentlemen? Phil, you go first. What do you have in your pockets? I actually have a new knife. It's my birthday the other day. It was your birthday. And somebody got me a new knife who would get you a knife that was you josh that's me i appreciate it this is a well i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) jody told you to get it didn't she maybe (laughs) so this is a a benchmade bailout is the bailout or bug out yep it's one of them i now have both i have the bailout and the bug out yep i'm not sure which one this is but ultra light whichever one it is it is carbon fiber scales some badass blue anodized uh hardware on it it's a nice flipper it is a nice flipper and i really like it thank you very much josh oh, i appreciate it no problem. what a sweet My pleasure just sweet sweet guy or and uh and besides that is have the other stuff i normally carry but you said you're trying out like a multitude of wallets are we still on the I, same I think one i found a style that i like 
still working on it. I got to work it in, make sure it's the right one. Is that that tall folder I saw you rocking? No. <laughs> it's a billfold. <laughs> we got to get some pictures. We need like video here so we could showcase uh, Matt's wallet and what we yeah. did for him. We upgraded him. Yeah, you weren't aware of this. So Matt Saxton, good customer, um, sent us a picture. It said just the text, boys, this is how it's done. And he sent a picture of one of those little spring-loaded uh, like paper clips. Yeah, I don't know what you call this. Okay. Black thing that oh, yeah. he clipped yeah, yeah, like yeah. a lot of papers together with. Yeah, large document clip. Document clip. There yeah. you go. Um, and he had his credit cards ID and some cash in that. And that's what he carries every day, he claims. So we instantly uh, wasted a be, couple thousand dollars. Being the innovators that we are. <laughs> yeah. And we went down to uh, the office supply cabinet that we have, and we took several of them out, and uh, we pulled the engineers off of whatever pressing projects <laughs> they were working on. <laughs> and we had them uh, laser... Uh, Laser scribe. Laser engrave. Laser engrave yeah. RS fi- logos. Little fixture and yeah, make a fixture. Uh laser engrave RS logos onto some five cent staples uh document clips. Um so he could have a legit RS edition wallet. And then we next day that out to him. So uh Matt, I hope you're listening and I hope you're using that. Yeah, but first he missed it. He's like he didn't get it. He's like, Oh, thanks, guys. And then like <laughs> ten minutes later he flipped it around. He's like, Oh shit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but we could be onto something there that might be uh might be maybe the thing. future of uh of carries. Nice. I think so. Does it, does it, it does it? Yeah, the laser didn't like the sprung steel on it. So Dude, if a guy like Matt's rocking that, we might probably, have to machine. It's, it's probably a, pretty cool. A titanium version, billet version. I'm liking that. It's minimalistic. It is. Yeah. Jeremy. Today it better be something. If it's fucking boring, then dude, just say pass. It's boring. You want me to pass? No, just do we it got, anyway. All right, fine. You God. can cut it out if it's not any good. Jeez. <laughs> Gosh. We got Microtech Exoset. Yep. This is, I think this is their best product. Bam. That's got their best action. It's an OTF. I guess you could use that. I think it. they design it as a money clip. Yep. Because it's just a, it's like a. A little chubbed up. Yeah. Yeah. Short, little, thin, nice, easy carry. Good blade, perfect for just slicing boxes. It's a little slim though. I like this. Don't do not pry on this fucker. I made the mistake of yeah. You, know, you always feel like you got like. There's that one occasion you're gonna pry something. Don't do it because that knife is it's razor sharp, but it's basically like a razor blade. It's just a slim little blade. I don't mind the slimness. I wish it had just another half inch on it or something. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say that's my problem with. Carrying a nice knife, I feel like I use it like a tool all the time. You're supposed to. That's why you yeah. get a good. That's why you get a nice knife. It'll take it. I feel like bad about beating it up. So that's why I like my other. They got a warranty on. They break it, send it. You back. know what I find? What what my issues? Is? I leave like so. I've got a number of these OTF Microtex. This one I rock pretty regularly, so it stays. The action always stays good. But I notice when I leave those suckers sit like in the drawer, mm-hmm. not using them, they get stiff. And then, like, the springs don't quit working. You need to get hit them with just a touch of compressed air and a little bit of blade oil. A little neat's foot oil? No, blade, know, blade oil. Blade oil. I've got, I've got neat. Coons oil. Have you seen that? Yeah. It's a real thing. It's a yeah, blade. no, but it's blade, it's blade oil. Specifically, it's blade oil. Just real thin, perfect viscosity. Drop that down in there. It's got a little syringe on it. 
Really? Yep. That's and that, that old band it? wisdom right there. Exactly. Exactly. And this is 2022, so that's real. I appreciate it's that true. insight. Yep. Other than blade that, oil. nothing special. Just packing the same old shit. Uh, tonight I have... Uh, oh, careful. Careful. Don't well, cut easy, yourself. Easy, easy. Here, let me... Hold on just a second. I'll go over there and help him open that up after today's massacre. So, there was uh, another one after you left. So. I just fumbled the shit out of it all over the yeah, place. Edward Scissorhands over here just cutting the shit out of himself and everybody around him. So this is actually a, a present to me as well for my birthday. When when my birthday was last year from Jeremy. This is a Benchmade 380 Allier. I thought it was how long did you practice that? I thought it was. I had to look it up because it's French. It's written. It's it's written Aller A L L E R, but it's actually pronounced Allier. I tell people that all the time. Dirté, put an e on it. Yeah, this is a little short guillotine style. It's just like their cut off your finger. It's just like their cigar cutter. However, it doesn't have the hole in it. But it's uh, G10 scales, little blue liner. Uh, I am. Sucker for the little guillotine mini cleaver chopper blades. This is very short. It's great. It's actually a first production S30V steel, and it will cut because flesh. The reason I know this is because this morning in Phil's office, I was actually showing what I carried today, and I closed my finger right up in it, and <laughs> it was instantly it was bleeding. Awesome <laughs> blood well, there everywhere. There is nothing better. Like the three of us thrive on seeing each other's failures. Yes. And yeah. seeing Josh just lay his pinky finger open. Well, uh, this is a the highlight of my day. <laughs> this is a friction folder and I don't I don't carry friction folders that much. It's generally, you know, flippers or uh, auto assist and the friction, friction folder, pinky slicer, whatever you want to call it. It is a guillotine when you put that little pinky in there <laughs> yeah. and close it up. How's, how's that healing up over there? I mean, it probably needed about 11 stitches, but it's <laughs> yeah, fine. I put crazy. a little, little super glue on it. it on. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was dangling, but I mean, I'm a man, so stuck it back together and we're good to go. Barely even fucked up your manicure. I put one of those RS money clips on it and <laughs> <laughs> hold it back together. A tourniquet. Oh, and that does it for what's in our pockets. However, next up on In the Glove Box is the standard, what are we drinking? Tonight is actually a really good one. I've enjoyed tonight's whiskey a lot. Absolutely. So that any hint, my review will be a little high. Dude, tonight, tonight's whiskey comes with some great news. This is I, I'm going to share this with everybody because you guys may not know this. Who's the credit go to? Well, this whiskey... So we're drinking an IW Harper, which I'm an IW Harper fan. I love their 15-year. I don't know if I love the whiskey or the decanter, like both bottle better, but they're both fantastic. So this is IW Harper Cabernet Cask Reserve. It's a 90 proof. My, uh, my it's a unit of a bourbon. It's a unit. It's a fucking unit. My brother-in-law, Kyle, who uh, runs the laser table, uh, you know, integral in our chassis department here. Awesome guy. Um, he gifted this to me right before he went on a little vacation this week and finally proposed to his now fiance. Time to grow up. Allie. He's going to. So I did have. He, a, did he do it yet? Do we ruin the surprise? No, he actually did it. I, I, <laughs> Got confirmation. I texted. Um, I've congratulations, Ali. Con- congratulations. I've I've got an awesome new sister in law coming to the family to both Kyle and Ali. Yeah, who's That's good. Yeah, who's super badass. 
you know, rocks a fucking more badass diesel truck. And Kyle drives. Rips. Kyle drives a Lexus. Yeah, Kyle drives a Lexus. She drives a twenty five hundred Duramax HD. He's not gonna like that. Yeah. Well, he should step it up. Then. That's. She's more badass. Than yeah, significantly she's more of a unit than he is. Yeah, she's tenfold more unit. And yeah. Kyle's. <laughs> Kyle's. <first. laughs> but anyway, this is congratulations to those guys. But this is a phenomenal bourbon. I this first time I poured it tonight. Um, Smooth drinker. I dig it. Very sweet. You can actually taste that, you know, that Cabernet cask deal. We've talked about that before. It's putting everything in barrels that it didn't come out of. And what does it do to your palate? It makes me say that it tastes good. You know, when it enters my mouth, I say, fuck yeah, this shit's pretty good. You <laughs> Solid want bourbon. Yeah. Very flavorful. Very good. I like the 15 years so much. I saw that and. You know, when you see something that like the, they fuck with this a little bit, you're almost a little scared. You're like, oh, I hope it's not like, you know, bad or, or they change it. I, I very much like this. I'm starting to think you can't go wrong with, with, with IW Harper. It, does IW Harper, though, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they've got a bottom, got a bottom shelf, shelf unit. For, yep. I we never sh- tried it. We should try the bottom shelf bomber. We should try that we do. and review that because I think it, that's coming up. We're going to try good. the IW Harper bottom shelfer. Um, the 15 year is is outstanding and become increasingly becoming one of my more go-tos. Um this Cabernet Cabernet cask is a uh, is really really good. I give it I'll go ahead and go first. Hit it. Uh I'm going to give it a Careful now. I'm going to give it an 8-1. Oh, are you we're getting up into the 8s? Yep. That's the I, first thing to break into the 8s, isn't I know. it? I give it it's an 8-1 on bourbon. It's a very good bourbon. Yep. I don't know if I'm going to go. Uh, I'm not pushing that into the eight. So I'm going seven nine, <laughs> just a little I'm, bit. Well, I'm not giving it an eight. It's the eight. That's a bold statement, dude. Like, Phil, what do you give it? I'm going to go eight. Split the difference. Right, you're in the middle. Yep. Solid bourbon. It's very good bourbon. Thank Check you. it out. I wish you could find it. I went looking. Can you not find I, it? I couldn't find it. I.W. Harper. Like 15 years hard to find. Every yeah. once in a while, I come across it at Costco. It's a it's like one pull. time a year though, yeah. you, and you, if you see it, you better just get a couple bottles of it. We should start giving good bourbons bad reviews. I don't want people buying up all the good shit. I don't know that I don't our think reviews we have the power are going to necessarily affect those. <laughs> our numbers the, are worth the, the shit. The <laughs> six people that listen to this are not going to buy it. Oh, <laughs> uh, awesome! That is it for the glove box. But before we go, we have one more segment. That's right. We're going to bring back story time. It's what do we have for story time? Man, we got we got some outstanding ones. I don't even know where to start, but the one that's coming to mind today, because I'm jonesing for some nice weather here, this reminds me of just a very comical story. And I, I don't know if everybody will find the humor in it, but if you were here during that period of time, it, it rocks. It doesn't even matter if you were here. It's a funny story. All right, I'm going to hit you with it. You ready? Yep. So here we are. This is probably, you know, forget the date, but it's several years back. And we are doing, this was like our first real, like kind of call it a TV show thing. We were building production. Production. Yeah. We're, we're doing this Craftsman C10 build. So they show up and it's, it's a little, you're like, we're all a little taken back because they come in with like Craftsman's marketing team 
I mean, they set up a whole studio. This is like, it's yeah, lights and five or six camera people and microphones. It was legit. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like, felt like we're, it, this felt like we're filming a, like a full feature film. So we get done like first day, we kind of talk about it. Everything's in order and, uh, we're doing kind of like a, like a little intro to this of what's going to happen tomorrow. We're kicking off the build, right? So craftsman team leaves, we get the crew together and we're all kind of talking and, uh, we just have like a quick little meeting about like, Hey guys, let's, uh, you know, tomorrow's a big day. You know, this is all about, we got to present ourselves. Well, this is our first like big, like it's our TV show deal. So, you know, wear your roadster shop shirts. Like let's look professional and, this is going to be, this can be a great, great deal for everybody. It's going to be a great experience. And they're like, what they were planning on doing the next day was interviewing uh, each individual guy that was going to be a part of that craftsman build. So I find like a nice clean roadster shop shirt, the five or six other guys that are going to be on this little film thing. They find like a nice clean roadster shop shirt and everybody shows up like we're ready to rock, right? A nice refined version of themselves. Yeah, yeah. just just a little clean. Just up. a little bit nice, like a little bit nicer, yeah. right? One guy may have taken that, you know, to you an know, eleven. You know how people joke about like Donald Trump being the orange man? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen the orange man. <laughs> when you talk about like, okay, so I don't want to, I don't want to spill the beans here. So one individual claimed that he laid out by the pool a little bit too long the day before, the day before when the he night got before. the night before we got off of work at like five, four, five o'clock comes in. I'm talking like orange, like a crayon. <laughs> Somebody was worried about their, their color or their lack of color coming off the winter. Something like that. Okay. It's like a nice mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> so as all these guys are getting interviewed, like you could, you could clearly see somebody say, you know, when you're around a bunch of guys, obviously like you, you cannot, you can't pull that out. You can't on a scale of one to 10, how noticeable was it? 15, <laughs> not higher. Yeah. 15 to 30 More noticeable was in the bathroom, <laughs> the garbage can Full of paper towels that were bright orange because he was trying to wipe it this off. This is after he was getting shit. Yeah, yeah. because I, you're not going to walk in and like right. get away with that, right? right? When you're around a bunch of guys, so no. clearly everybody is just tearing into this dude, right? So you know, you walk. <laughs> he looked in, like an Oompa Loompa, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So you walk into the bathroom like two, three times, and you see the garbage can is just full of orange towels. So you know, I don't want to like you know, put anybody on the spot. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but uh, I feel like the best part of the story was is the that nickname, the nickname. No, it wasn't even a nickname. It was, oh, it, was written. It, it started. So we had a wall of time cards Yeah, and I think it was Dave took the uh, little label maker and changed somebody's, this individual's name. So everybody walks in the next morning and the very top one, his name was changed to Tan Latrell instead of Dan. <laughs> and that stuck. So he was tan from then on out. Tan Latrell. Thanks. So just one one letter change is all yeah. it needed. 
just from a T, from a D, D to a T. It's all to. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed that still to this day. I, it's a it's a great story. And that's why we have story time, because there's no other time that that story could have been worked in to an interview or any other segment but to be told on story time. So I hope so, everybody enjoyed it. And be careful with your, I don't know if that was a, not a spray tan, you gotta, probably a... You got to apply it liberally and rub it in. <laughs> I think it was applied liberally. And then wipe, wipe it off, dude. I think you're, I don't know that you leave it like... I don't think we should be talking. We don't know. Yeah, we don't. What do we know about right. self-tanning? Lotion is it a spray tan? I kind of want to get to the bottom of it. They airbrush that stuff too. Well, sometimes, yeah. I, I don't know. That that's something I have. I'd like to be able to shed some knowledge on. I have no idea about how it how it works. What kind of format this liquid or paste comes in? All I know is tan latrell <laughs> is pretty fucking funny. <laughs> uh well, I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Oil & Whiskey with The Roadster Shop and Ironclad Original. If you like the show, please be sure to leave a rating or a review down there at the bottom. Give us a thumbs up or a like or tell us how good we're doing. If we're doing really bad, then just don't listen. Thanks again for our guest, Tom Nelson, for coming on. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Roadster Shop. We'll see you again next week. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Mental Performance Daily Podcast here with you. And someone asked me recently, Kaner, how'd you go from 240 pounds to 180? Was it diet? Was it sleep? Did you change your workout routine? It was a little bit of all of that and mostly habits and consistency. That's why I love FitBod. FitBod's smart workout app creates a custom dynamic exercise program based on your goals, experience, and equipment. It varies your routines to avoid overtraining and keeps you on schedule so you can keep that calendar full and maintain those summer gains. Their elite algorithm uses custom data and analytics to scientifically build your best next workout and maximize your results in the least amount of time. FitBod workouts fit easily into your schedule, making your time the best time to work out. FitBod works equally as awesome on your iOS or Android device. The app is super easy to use with video tutorials to make learning new exercises a breeze. Let's keep that workout momentum going through getting personalized workouts from FitBod that get tougher as you do. Get 25% off your subscription or try out the app for free when you sign up now at fitbod.me mpd25. That's 25% off your subscription or try it free at fitbod.me mpd25